0: Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak NAS. I want to welcome you to the Wapak NAS Podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God, and experiences love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Nas is Love People, Loving People to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Nas to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message.
1: You got some fast fingers, man. That's pretty awesome. Thank you, ladies. That's pretty good. How are you? Good morning. I just kind of went through puberty for the. 30th time. Sorry about that. <clears throat> well, welcome to Wapak Nas. Really glad to be with you. Um, glad that you're here with other people. And uh, just want to let you know, um, you're prayed for every week. Um, whether you've been a part of the, the congregation or not, you're prayed for every week. And uh, we just want you to know that we love you very, very much. And uh, so, um, last week, we were on this series, and we, we just started the series called the Church. Um, and uh, a scripture came to mind this week as as we talked about last week that it, it says, "But you have chosen; you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into the into His wonderful light." Once you were not a people, but now. You are a people of God, are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And last week we asked the question, and we continue to ask the question this week, have you found your people? And uh, I'm going to invite Barry and Amber up here because uh, they found their people. Barry and Amber Freemoth, if you wouldn't mind coming on up. um, They found their people, and guess what? You're their people. That's right. Is this thing on? Yeah, it is. Hey, man, how are you guys? Oh, I'm proud of you. You brought your coffee. Yep. Well, uh, if you if you don't know Barry and Amber, this is Barry and Amber. Um, This is this is your people. Um, Welcome. So, uh, probably about a month ago, a month and a half ago, I I messaged Barry and and Amber, and and I uh, I asked them. They'd be willing to, to just share a little bit about their before and after story. And uh, first question is, how did you guys even like when people say when I, when I say I, I'm pastor at Walpock Mass, they go, "Where's where's that? Where's 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 the Church of the Nazarene?" So how did you guys come even in contact with with this group of
0: people? Um. I've
2: seen it on Facebook. Um, so i seen it. I am friends with someone who goes here, and I would see her post. And um, I like how the kids are really involved, and that's what caught me, like just getting them involved. And, um, it just looked like a good place. We had talked about it, and we wanted to start going to church. So we would... 'Cause there's he's came from Catholic and I'm not. I'm like, well I don't even know where to start, you know. So we came here. Um was your first experience
3: here? I think it
0: was two thousand
2: seventeen.
3: Yeah. January January seventeenth. The new year new me, like we're gonna do this church thing this time and see how it goes Short, that's the shortened version. All right. So uh, May 30th of last year, uh, May 31st, I was working third shift. I'm deputy of the Sheriff's Office, and we had two robberies back to back within 24 hours. So I was in an unmarked car, uh, watching a house where we knew this, this juvenile suspect was had guns. Um, fast forward a few hours. I hop out on the kid, identify myself and before I got my feet on the ground, the kid shot five rounds at me and it was that moment right there, obviously I was like, wow, oh. I I mean a duck, I ran and chased him got back to my truck, I hid, I called my wife, called her again, she answered, and so I'm literally watching the house, we have the house surrounded, I'm watching the house, and I'm like, hitting the find my iPhone button, like, wake up, she finally answers, and she knows, like, this is like, not the first time I got shot at, or, or been in a shooting at work, so, she knows, she's like, what happened, I'm like, I got shot at, you okay, I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine, she's like, no seriously, are you okay, I'm like, yeah, this one, I'm fine, I ended up getting the kid out, arresting him. He uh, was just it was 25 years, uh, two months ago. Uh, so, uh, took the week off, or sorry, I had training the whole next week, so I was away from work. It was nice. Um, we were, she came to training for two of those days with me, because it was like uh, three days later, I was up in Kalahari uh, with the family, and she kind of looked at me and she goes, you need to go talk to somebody." This because the first incident I didn't it didn't really affect me, I didn't feel she saw it and uh, so I was like, Alright, I'll do that and then following like Tuesday, I was at a chiropractor's appointment and something just told me to go to i Never been to Winans, and I knew I knew Steven ran it. So I walked a whole block and a half down there, opened the door and I see Steven like right where the doors are, just would make eye contact and like I felt I felt guilty. I was like, I'm in trouble. I left you. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, hey, Steven. He's like, hey. So I walked up, skipped the coffee thing, and he's like, how are you? I'm like, not well. We Amber, started talking about that past week. We didn't start going to church. Like, I sat behind a truck. Kid who just shot me he was, you know, I sat back there and I just prayed. i like, we gotta go to church. Like God spoke to me that moment, and then led me straight to Stephen. And I go to Wyndham's five times a week now. and I see him maybe once or not at all in that week. That one day he was there. And yes. Yeah. That that one day I I chose to go there. He was there. And he was there for a reason. I didn't think our, my marriage could ever be any stronger. Like we've been through so much with my five years at the sheriff's office and just life in general. And then we come here and we're like, we are getting closer. How's this possible? Like, we, I mean, your whole series about pray now, pray later. We preach that to each other. With our kids like we like, hey, pray now, pray later. Like do it. Like, it's something like we go through our normal life two years or a year and a half before all this happened. changed our lives totally. This church, church has changed our lives.
2: to So, he has a part of this body that will to you and that will have the idea that will help you as individuals, as a family,
3: and kids. Well, as we talked in that, like the, start off with the eight-week Bible study, that was... Immediately after that incident, I mean, you saw how angry I was. I, mean, I was not a very happy person at that time. Come down to the sentencing a couple months ago, I looked the kid in his eyes and I forgave him. and It took a lot for me to do. As I told my dad, like I don't think I could ever forgive this kid. And I did. so it's the power because I, I don't think I could have ever done it without, without this church. Anymore. It's just life. A good family here. I love you guys. (laughs) We love you too, both of you and your kids. And
2: I just want to say thank you for allowing us to invest in you. And I definitely appreciate you guys investing in this body because there are many things that you have been already going on that we used to have been a part of. And behind the scenes, because you're not in front of you're not in front of it. (laughs) Come <laughs>
1: Anybody that's up here that shares their story, I just encourage you to, hey, can I can I have some coffee and buy you coffee and listen to your story? Uh, I think it's really important to listen to each other's story. So, uh, can we just praise God for them? Uh, I appreciate you, man. So good, so good. God is good, man. Uh, I don't, I don't think there's anywhere else to go other than. Praise the Lord. Well, I, I uh, this, this series is about the church. It's not about Wapak Nas. It's about the church, the Big C Church, and uh, you're a part of that. And so, um, if you weren't, if you were here for the first time, uh, or uh, for the first time in a long time, and you missed last week, I would really encourage you to go online to wapaknas.org. Or Spotify or iTunes and pull up last week's sermon um, and, and and listen to that. You'll probably need to listen to it on at a, like one and a half speed uh, because if you don't, it'll take a while. Um, but I would really encourage you to listen to that sermon. Um, and in that sermon, we, we, we ask the question, we challenge you, find your people. And so uh, um, today we're going to we're going to move a little forward with that because when God when God calls you, He calls you not only not only to yourself, He calls you not only out of yourself, but He calls you to a people, and that people is the church. Um, but what do you do? What do you do when you find your people, or what do you do when your people find you? Because hopefully, we're a church that isn't. Hey, come and see us. If you're looking for a church, come, come to Walpock Naz. Hopefully we're the people that, that says, you know what, we're going to come and find you. We're going to come and interact with you. And then you'll come and see what God's doing among us. And so what do you do when you find your people? So these are the scriptures that, are, that, that we're going to really focus on. And actually I, I forgot to, to switch some of those. Um, the main text that we're going to be uh, looking at is is Second Samuel. It's actually not even up there. I apologize. Second Samuel, chapter twenty-three. 2 Samuel chapter twenty-three. And uh, if as you're turning there into your Bible, or if you pull up your phone, pull up the 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 U version app. What do you do when you find your people? And so, uh, I would like for you. To say along with me, commit. Can you say it? One, two, three. When you find your people, you when you find your people, you you commit to your people. When you find your people, you commit to your people. And so if you're unfamiliar with scripture, or if you have been so inundated with scripture, I'd like for us to look at David for the first time with fresh eyes. If you're not familiar with David, David's kind of a big deal in Scripture. Uh, he's in the Old Testament. Uh, his story is strewn about through several different books: First and Second Samuel, First and Second Chronicles. And so you kind of have to piecemeal his life together because Scripture is not written chronologically. It isn't written like a great novel that we would have in 2020. It's it's really piecemeal, and that's the way David's life is. And David. When he was a young man, as you're turning to Scripture, I'm just going to give you a little context here. As a young man, he was the grunt of the family. He was a shepherd boy amongst many brothers. And actually, he was the brunt of his brother's jokes, pretty much like I was with my own brother. But as a young man, he was in the fields, and he was anointed by Samuel, who was a prophet. He was anointed by Samuel as king. But David had to wait for that moment to happen to where he was crowned. In fact, it was about 14 years later that that he would actually be crowned as king. So he went back to being a shepherd and the grunt of the family. David is the, the David of David and Goliath acclaim. As a shepherd boy, as that grunt, he went and brought supplies to his brothers at the battle lines And he was the one of all of Israel that stepped into the fear with courage and sliced off the head of Goliath. This is David. The David that no one knew his name. He had no acclaim until that moment. And after that moment, he served at King Saul's request. He was a servant of King Saul, he was a musician, he was a poet. But as his name and fame grew, so did King Saul's jealousy and paranoia of David. And David fought on behalf of King Saul. But as King Saul's jealousy and paranoia increased, King Saul became bloodthirsty for David. And so David went on the run. He was on the lamb. And as he was on the lamb, we find that david started to have people gather among him and so this is first samuel it's on the screen first samuel chapter 22 verse 1 and 2 it said david left left gath it's it's a place and escaped to the cave of adullam when the brother when his brothers and father's household heard about it they went down to him there and this is what i want us to catch When David was on the run for his own life because he would not take King Saul's life because he believed that he should honor the Lord's anointed king, he hid among the caves. And as he was hiding among the caves for his own life, people began to gather. And notice the people that gathered. All those who were in distress and in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their leader about 400 men were with him and 1st Chronicles 12.22 tells us that day after day men came to help David I want us to catch something these men were distressed indebted and they were discontented with their life They had financial constraints on their own life. They had other people coming after them. They were in distress, and they were discontented with life. I don't know about you, but sometimes, however good life gets, sometimes you get discontented with life. These are the men that gathered around David. These are the men that found their people. And these are the people that David found. But I ask the question, what do you do when you find your people? You commit to your people. So let's look at a commitment of these people. So 2 Samuel, if you haven't already opened up there. 2 Samuel chapter 23. And we'll read the story. Chapter 23, verse 8. Now mind you, these are these are dis- distressed, discontented, and indebted people. And listen to this group of people. Verse 8. These are the names of David's mighty men. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that name, so I'm just going to call him JB. How's that? J.B., and he was that, he was a T, I don't know. J.B., a T, was chief of the three. Sounds like Dr. Seuss writing here. He raised his spear against 800 men, whom he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar, son of D, the A. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered at pas Daman for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated, but he, Eleazar, stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. We have too many teenagers where their hands are growing tired because they're frozen to the controllers on their Systems. This man stood his ground and fought for what he knew was right. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. Troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shema, son of Agi, the Herorite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them, but Shema took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. And this is where we're going to focus, this next portion. During the harvest time, three of the 30 chief men came down to David to the, at the cave of Adullam while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem so the three mighty men broke through the philistine lines drew water from the well near the gate of bethlehem and carried it back to david but he refused to drink it instead he poured it out before the lord far be it from me o lord to do this he said it is not is it not the blood of men who went at risk went at the risk of their lives and David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty men. Father, we ask in the next few minutes that as we let the word of God unpack our lives, that we listen to what it is that you say to us individually, but also us collectively. And speak into our hearts what it is necessarily for us to move forward with you. God, bring clarity to our lives who we are and who you are. I ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The distressed, the discontented, the indebted, they all gathered around David. These are the men that gathered around. I don't know about you, but I feel like this is the church. This is a very clear picture of the church, even though this is well before the church was ever thought of. The discontented The indebted. The distressed. A group of people that wouldn't normally gather together, gather together. The church is a group of people that wouldn't normally gather together, that gathered together. Under the name of Jesus Christ, under the cross, and under the resurrection. The church is a group of people that is unique to where when we gather together, we actually care for people that we probably would never have come to meet before in our life. I know Wapak is, is about 10,000 people strong. But I'm sure you don't know everyone unless you're Ralph. Grandpa knows everybody. But you don't know everyone in Wapak. The church is a, is a group of people that gather together that wouldn't normally get together. And they're gathered under purpose, under mission, under belief, under understanding that their lives are better and greater for having been together. That we experience and give love to people that we probably wouldn't normally know. But yet, we become known to one another. This is the church. The indebted, the distressed, The discontented. And you can add more words if you want to. This is a clear picture of the church. Under the belief of Jesus Christ. But what do you do when you find your people? You commit to your people. Here we have a moment where those discontented, those indebted and distressed, see their leader who is discouraged and in distress himself the background to this moment David has caught wind that his closest confidant, Jonathan has been killed by the Philistines along with Jonathan's brothers as well as King Saul the one that was coming after David David is in the cave hiding out at Adam on top of that As we read, he says this whimsical, flippant statement. None of us ever do that, do we? He says, oh, that someone would go to the well near the gate of Bethlehem and draw me water. Make sure I'm there. From the gate of Bethlehem what's going on in this moment if you don't know the backstory of David this is David's hometown Bethlehem who is now under possession of the Philistine army David is grieving his loss of his friend and he's longing how many of you long for have ever longed for a, a cake or a a drink or mom. for me it's mom's pot roast and it's mom's uh, meatloaf sometimes I just long for mom's pot roast or meatloaf man I'd really love to have mom's meatloaf right? have you had that before? David is in this moment and he's discouraged and these discontented men who are His warriors. I don't know if you know from that story that we read. One man slaughtered 300 men. Another man stood his ground and his hand froze to his sword. Another man stood in the middle of a field of lentils and said, you're not taking this field. These mighty men could have actually been the leaders of their own military. These mighty men were great alone. But these mighty men understood that greatness doesn't come alone. These mighty men understood that greatness comes together. That your greatness comes when you were around other great people. And that other great people's greatness comes by gathering beside of you. And so David, in this discouraging moment, says this flippant phrase. Oh, would someone get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. His palate longs for that water that is no longer under possession of the Israelites. And so, what do these mighty men do? David didn't ask him to do it. This was a flippant phrase. He said it so flippantly. He didn't say it seriously. He just longed. hurting. And these mighty men, three of them, go behind enemy lines. Sneak through with bravery and courage. Not being asked. Folks, when when you find your people you commit to your people. But when you commit to your people, sometimes the commitment means that you move for the people that you're committed to without being asked of your people. Let me say that again. When you find your people, you commit to your people. But the commitment means that you move on behalf of your people without being asked. And sometimes that means moving towards your people without being asked. And so these men, they break through the lines. They brave and risk their lives for the water that David so longed for. And not only did they draw it from the well but they had to break back through the lines. They still had to risk their lives to bring the water to David. These men were committed. They were committed to David. They were committed to the cause. They were committed to the purpose and the mission. They were committed to each other. And they brought the water back. They carried it back to David. Now, I don't know if you... If you ever read scripture and you go, oh my goodness, what does that mean and why is that there? David, what does he do? He refused to drink the water. Now, have you ever given a gift on Christmas or a birthday or an anniversary? And you were so excited to give the gift because you thought through that gift. This is perfect. This is exactly what they wanted. And then... They open the gift, and all you get is a, meh. Or have you been the one that does that? Right? You're a little ticked. You've been put out. Why did I go through all the trouble, and you didn't like it? You're not going to say that, unless you're really brazen. I probably wouldn't say that if I were you. Just nod your head and go along with it, right? But you are feeling like, man, why did I go through the trouble? Why did I think it through? And all I get is a meh from you. This is one of those scriptures where I just scratch my head and go, what? Why did he refuse to drink the water? Doesn't he understand the risk? And if I were one of the three men, I'd be a little peeved. I would be upset. All I get is a refusal. I committed myself to you. Have you ever committed to people? And when you committed to people, you, you risked something of yourself. Maybe it was your finances. Maybe it was your time. Maybe, maybe it was your space and all you received was a meh? And you felt less than? Here in this moment, what we need to understand is that the movement of these men shows the commitment to to David and the group. However, what David did in this moment where he refused to drink it, and he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, to do this. Is it not the blood of the men who went to risk, went at the risk of their lives? He equated the water that they brought from the gate of Bethlehem to their blood. And what did he do? He didn't just pour it out. He poured it out to the Lord. Why? It's because David, if he would have taken the drink of water, one, one, he would still be thirsty, right? I don't know about you, but I can drink water and I can still be thirsty for it. But David, by pouring out their water, brought more value to their water than it was worth. Pouring out their water to the Lord. David's statement, his refusal to drink it and to pour it out before the Lord means that David... Elevated the worth of that water. I am not worthy to drink the water. The only one worthy to drink this water because the risk that was given is the Lord. He is the only one worthy of this action. He is the only one worthy to have this water. And so by David refusing to drink the water, and pouring it out before the Lord. He elevated the worth and the value of that water. He elevated the worth and the value of their effort and their risk and their commitment and their investment of their lives. Folks, when we come together as a church, whether it's on a Sunday morning, whether we meet each other in the the aisles at, at Walmart, hopefully you're not ducking each other in the aisles at Walmart, (laughs) <laughs> I saw that face she, she, ducks, she ducks me all the time The pastor's here Everybody leaves right um, When we come together as life groups When you commit to one another When you do things for one another That's like David pouring out the water pours it out to the Lord and says, the Lord is the only one worthy of this act. The Lord is the only one worthy of this gift. Meaning, what you do for one another elevates it. Because you're not doing it necessarily for each other. You're doing it first and foremost for the Lord. So how does this come back down to reality for a second? When you call someone, I was thinking about you. When you email somebody, says, Oh, I want to let you know I've been praying for you. For me with the police department, sometimes they send signal 71s. Signal 71 is is everything okay? You doing good? It's a checkup. When you bless somebody financially, when you go up and you say, How are you? You're pouring it out before the Lord. Yes, you're pouring it out on them, but you're pouring it out on the Lord. Folks, whatever act that you give to any one of us, it is poured out before the Lord and it is elevated. Regardless of how you feel on the other side. Because I've been asked many times, I did this and this and this for somebody. And all I got was bitterness, hatred, hurt. I gave of myself. How do I deal with that? What do I do with that? When I was in the Church of the Nazarene, I, I, I saw, or uh, in Xenia, one family gave and gave and gave to a couple that had nothing in turn they got slapped in the face what do you do with that our intent needs to be I'm pouring it out before the Lord because is our commitment necessarily just to the people no our commitment is to Christ first and foremost then the people Folks, whatever you do, you do it for the Lord. Paul says, work as if you're working for the Lord. Your commitment is bound in Christ, first and foremost. Because when I think of cross, Jesus Christ on the cross, and I think of the people that mocked him and spit on him, you know what, The act that he did was for them as well just as much as it is for you, just as, as much as it is for that coworker that gets under your skin, just as much as it is as that family member that pulls and pulls and pulls and pulls every available asset from you. Now, I'm not saying pour yourself out at the discontent of your own life and your well-being, You need to be well. You need to draw the line. But know that when you commit to people, you first commit to Christ, then you commit to the people. You take that risk when you commit to people. How many of you realize that love actually is a risk? When you love somebody, it is a risk. Why? Because you become vulnerable. And honestly, vulnerability is the most courageous thing that you can do Letting people in. Opening your chest cavity is the most courageous thing that you can do in your life. Now, I mentioned that David, David was a man that was great. He's said to be a man after God's own heart. He's seen as a wonderful king, although he had some faults and flaws, and he made some choices that were not so great. But in the context of Scripture, David was great. But had it not been for the men that gathered around David, David's greatness would not have come to fruition. We all need people that pull us toward what God has for us in our life. David was on in the waiting line, waiting for God's plan to unfurl, waiting for that day to be crowned. And one of the lessons that I learned from David was, you don't go ahead of God. You just wait on Him. You do what you do, and let God do what He's going to do. And when that time comes, that time comes. But it took these men to come around David in his discouragement, to pull him forward to what God was calling in his life. Had it not been for these great men, David would not have been great. You will not be great alone. You will only be great when you surround yourself with great people. And let me just tell you, a lot of great people right here. We need people to pull that out of us. We need people to press us and say, are you in Scripture? Here's a word in your discouragement. We need people to push us to step out and be courageous from time to time. We need people to challenge us. With what we know God has called us to. We need people to remind us of the sheer sacrifice of Jesus Christ. When God calls you, He calls you to a people. And when you find your people, you commit to your people. So that those people can step into the greatness that God has for them. The hope in the future. That Jesus Christ died for them. So, what do we do with it? Be with your people. Folks, I learned very early in youth ministry. Junior hires are really, really easy to get to know, right? All you have to do is say, hi, what's up? How are you? What's your name? And as soon as you know their name and as soon as you play, they're your friends for life. But I also learned very, very quickly in youth ministry that you show up, that you're consistent. The more that you are consistent in their life, the more you can speak into their life and they can speak into you because I learned a lot from teenagers and I've actually learned a lot from you. Be with your people. You can't be a people if you're not with your people, right? Kind of makes sense. Very simple. But you can't be a people if you're not with your people. So be with your people. For some of us, it could be, man, I, I got I to gotta get here, here, with my people every week. Regardless if I'm feeling it or not. There was a time in my life I wasn't feeling it. I believed in Jesus Christ. I had Him in my life, but I wasn't feeling it. I was actually struggling with it. I was struggling with God himself, and I was struggling with my life. Zeny Naz had a balcony in the top. And normally I would sit down on the bottom with the teens. But for a period of time, I came in the back door, and I walked up the back stairs, and I sat in the balcony, avoiding everybody that I could.
3: Still did Wednesday night
1: with teenagers. Still did Sunday school with teenagers. But when it came to being with the people, I avoided the people. And I remember one Sunday, I wasn't feeling it, but I went. And it was during worship. And I looked down to my left, and there was Dan McLean. Dan had just lost his wife like two or three weeks beforehand. And I know Dan was grieving. He was the most intellectual man I've ever known. He was a physicist believed in Jesus and during the worship Dan had his hands raised and his eyes closed and he was praising the Lord and every week after I saw Dan doing the same thing in his loss and in his grief in his distress he was with his people praising his Lord and you know what, he doesn't know it but Dan spoke to me in that moment. Be with your people. You never know the impact that you will have on someone or that they will have on you. Be with your people. I know it's hard sometimes. You want to avoid your people. I mean, you want to avoid family members sometimes, right? Right? Two, take small first steps. When you find your people, commit to your people. Take small first steps. What do I mean by that? You just heard the testimony from Amber Berry. Within week three, Faye knew their name. Get to know somebody's name. Find them out. Become a greeter or a welcomer, a warmer. Start serving some way, somehow. Impact the people that are in the room. Take small first steps. You don't need to take giant leaps here. We're We're not Neil Armstrong. We're not. Just take small steps. Find a place to serve within the context of the church, for the people, for Christ in the kingdom. It could be it could be cleaning up trash. It could be doing toilets. It could be it could be mowing the lawn. It could be shoveling. It could be sound. It could be worship. Whatever it is, you could do things around here that no one would ever know. Take a small first step. If you, I got a list of them. If you want, them. I can give them to you. I'd be glad. You just come ask me. Come Matthew. Ask, ask Matthew. You got a lot of first steps. If you want to take them, but just take them. One small step. Leads to another small step. Leads to another small step. And then before you know it, you realize you took a giant leap. Just take a small step. For some of you, find one person looking for that one person. Guess what? We're all looking for someone. You know what? You are the average of the people you know. Average some of the people you know. Craig Rochelle would say, I can look at your friend's and I can tell you your future. Who you are involved with, who you know, who are you who are allowing to influence your life? You are the average of that. But there are also people that are looking for someone. Be that someone that someone's trying to find. Therefore, go looking for them. Ask the Lord for it, Lord. Who is it in this congregation? Who is it in this community? You want to build into my life, and I can build into theirs. Because honestly, when you commit to your people, those are the very same people that commit to you. That's the way it's supposed to be. When I commit to you, you commit to me, and we commit to each other. And if you don't like the word commit, because I know it's like the unpopular cultural word, no one likes to commit, then call it investment. I'm not talking financial. Just invest. Lastly, step further in. Some people are going to step further in at the end of this month. How do I mean? Well, we're having a DNA class. Wapak DNA class. Meaning, they're taking a membership class. Whether they're serious about membership, or whether they're curious about Wapak Nas and who we are and the Church of the Nazarene, or whether they're transferring their membership, they're taking a step further in. Some people have just come in and started into a life group this, this season. First, very first time. They're in it. If that's you, I'm proud of you for being courageous to brave other people. Because we don't all have it figured out, do we? If you are here for the first time, you have come into a room of people that don't have it all figured out. We are not perfect. But we are under the leadership of the Lord who is perfect. Who is trying to perfect humanity in, into his holiness. And one of those steps that you step in further in is get connected into a group where you get into Scripture, you get into prayer, you allow the Holy Spirit to work, and things happen in you. Get into an eight-week Bible study. We're glad to do that with you. But take a step further in. So, when you find your people, you what? Oh, my goodness that was so good you're awesome you were committed to that weren't you I could tell when you find your people you what to your people when you find your people commit to your people that's the bottom line man that's the bottom line will you stand up please I don't know if it came across well I don't think it did but hey uh, it was really good in my head you ever have one of those times It was really good up here, but when it came out, it was not that great. But uh, I, I really do want to encourage you. Find your people. It may not be Wapak Nass. It could be another church. That's okay. We're okay with that. But we want you to find your people that you can grow. That you can come to faith in Jesus Christ. But when you find your people, be there. Commit to your people. And they'll commit to you. Father... We thank you for this moment and this time. And I thank you how you've committed yourself to humanity. That you are committed to us. By surrendering yourself on the cross. Because you offer us opportunity to be in a right relationship with you, oh God. Through Jesus Christ and sacrifice. I thank you that you gave of yourself, Lord. poured out your blood and water was also poured out of your body just like David pouring out the water equating it to the blood of his men thank you Jesus so much and I hope I hope people find their people and they commit they invest and that investment pays off dividends big time in grace and mercy kindness and love and faith. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's in your name that we ask these things this morning. Amen. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please, please love your neighbor as yourself. Have a wonderful day.
0: We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknas podcast. We hope you were moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you were moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.